you have these anonymous guys lining the bleachers, right? So they're a fan, not a follower. They're in the bleachers. They're they're anonymous. They're 30 million children going to bed without a father tonight. Yeah. These are the men in the arena. These are the bleachers. Uh, these guys that are uh, these are 80% or so of men in churches today that don't give, they don't serve. They just shake the pastor's hand and walk out, and they never change year after year. Uh, it's the majority of men in our culture that, that are anonymous. And I believe that God does not want us to be anonymous. Mm. Again, another lie in the church that, that somehow anonymity is humility. I disagree 100%. You know, I, I believe that, that God wants to put us on display. So we say, God, put me on display. And then I will put you on display. So I will give you the glory. But mm. it's really hard to give God the glory and put him on display when you're anonymous, shrinking back, and hiding in the bleachers. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. Saint Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Hey, before we get into the episode, I want to share new resources that the Kindling Fire has developed for you. I wasted years of my life in survival mode. And I would hear scriptures like John 10.10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, an abundant, rich, meaningful, satisfying life. And I honestly expected God was just going to drop that life, that new life, that abundant life into my lap. But I showed my lack of faith by my lack of action. But God challenged my false beliefs and called me to new actions that transformed my life. And I moved from just surviving to thriving in every area of my life. I am so excited to share that journey with you with the Rekindle the Fire e-course. These are seven classes that I have been able to consolidate down some of the key ideas and key actions that I put in my life to move from survival mode to truly thriving. It's broken down into seven classes where we start with rekindling the fire, striking the match. I'm going to give you a key that transformed my entire understanding of what God was teaching through scripture and fanning the flame. We'll deal with topics about overcoming false beliefs. You know, you're not going to have victory without an opponent. The call to expansion, abundance versus a scarcity mindset, and a special uh, treat, Bounding Overwatch, which is a military approach to advancing as a community. It's going to transform your life. I can't wait for you guys to sign up. You can find out more at our website. Today on the Killing Fire podcast, I have a friend of mine on the show. His name is Jim Ramos. Welcome to the show, Jim. 
Hey, man, it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm excited. So um, he is the host of the Man Card podcast. Uh, he is the founding director of The Great Hunt for God, and he is the author of nine books. And we're going to be talking about his most recent book called The Man Card. And uh, you're going to really benefit. The listeners, you're going to love this show. Um, Jim's a lot of fun, and uh, he's got a big old, what is that, an elk? What's behind you? Well, John Eldridge says it's a baby elk. It's a baby bull. It's it's an elk. It's, it's a barely, baby. It, it looked like a dinosaur when I shot it, and then I realized, oh, elk are way bigger than that. Uh, it's a baby. He's got a little baby elk behind him. Little baby bull. <laughs> and um, he has been married to his best friend for the last uh, 26 years. He's got three sons, 24 years old, 22, and 20 years old. And um, I'm just going to, because it's a podcast and you can't see the video, I'm going to give you a mental picture of Jim. Um, and you might see this on, on uh, social media, but I want you to think of a WWF wrestler. Huge shoulders, huge, massive chest, just a major dude. But they'll strip out the tights, don't put up boots on him, put him in a flannel. And, and put like a shotgun in his hand uh, it with some, some rugged hiking boots because he loves going hiking. And there you go. You got Jim Ramos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's funny. When I got interviewed at a church, the pastor said, so how should I look for you at the airport? And I said, just look for Beauty and the Beast, baby. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so Jim and I have become fast friends. He's been on, uh, we did a Facebook Live back in January where he did his top 10 books, which was a great, uh, had a great time that I've been on your podcast. Now you're coming on my podcast and we're going to be talking about the man card. So this is going to be fun. So oh, let's, yeah. let's just get, let's just dive right in. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit more, uh, flesh out a little bit more on your bio, and then we can get into uh, your most recent book. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, first of all, you're made fun of a birth defect because when I was born, you know, most babies come out, their head is bigger than their chest. So my chest was bigger than my head. Wow. And so my, my wife, my mom, I'm sorry, said it's like giving birth to twins. So uh, wow. whenever people say that, I go, oh, you're making, that's a birth defect, man. <laughs> but, but, but I could bench 400 pounds and get a full ride scholarship in football because of the birth defect. So it worked out okay for me. <laughs> Dude, you're making fun of my birth defect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. What kind of Christian are you? Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so hey, yeah, you know, I love to hunt and fish. I uh, love to spend time with my wife and my kids. My kids are my hunting partners, and uh, I love to sit in coffee shops, uh, talk to guys about their life, about the Lord. And, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I kind of look like this big kind of redneck kind of guy, you know, which I am, but I love to read. I read about 30 books a year, and yeah. uh, I love to read, and I love to write, and uh, I love to do whatever I can to help people, and uh, it's exciting to be on your show, man, and, and if I can help a guy on your Kindling Fire podcast, do what I have to say, man, it's been a good day. That's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, so that, your tagline for your book is really good, and it's, it's very in your face, which I really love, which is the man card, five characteristics separating boys from men, and you handle the book, or you handle the topic what is a man? Why are males yes. different from men? And, uh, you know, so many men are just wandering around, just, they just are not, they're not doing well. And that is yeah. not God's best. And, uh, and sometimes we need people in our lives to really call us up, you know, in a, a loving yet challenging way. Look, you got more in you to offer. You got, you, that's lo living less than what you're made to be. 
And uh, that's really what I know you have a heart for. So uh, can you give us a, just a quick snapshot of kind of a little bit of the why you wrote, why did you write this book? Well, just like you were saying, Troy, I, I, uh, when I launched uh, this ministry called The Great Hunt for God, I launched it because I realized that men were very, very confused. Hmm. And as a youth pastor for 25 years, I realized the biggest problem with the students I had was a lack of fathering. And so I launched this podcast and I launched The Great Hunt for God to help men in the stress bubble. Those guys that are between 25 and 55 that are raising kids the kids are in the home, uh, to help them and to, to actually call them in, call them into what we call the arena, call them into the bubble, help them to, to engage with their wife, with their kids, with their church, with their community, and then we want to call them out. So we want to call them out of complacency, we want to call them out of apathy, laziness, we want to call them out of the things hindering them from walking in their best version. Uh, that best version can only be seen through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, I very, have a very simple approach to my faith. Uh, Jesus can make you the best version of you. Without him, you'll be a shell of that version. Even though you can be a millionaire, even though you can be a high-level guy, without Christ, you'll never achieve that full potential he has for you as yeah. your best version. And then lastly, I want to call guys up. I mean, I believe in men. Uh, statistically, uh, we know that when a man gets it, the family follows almost almost 100% of the time. Yep. Uh, and in the Bible, over and over again, we see you know Cornelius was saved in his household. This guy was saved in his household. This guy was saved in his household. And we just see over and over that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And what I've seen, and you and I have talked about this, is that you don't see that in the church. The focus of church dollars tends to go towards women, children, families, but but if you look at 90%, I'm throwing out a number, of men's ministry budgets in churches, there are zero dollars targeted for men. Yeah. They expect men to raise their own money. And to me, it, it's a statement against the church, and it's a statement against what the Bible teaches mm. about men. And, uh, but, but, you know, women and children are easy, and teenagers are easier to reach. Men are stubborn. Men are hard-headed. Men are busy. Mm -hmm. Men have full lives, you know, and... Uh, it's been a, it's a, quite a challenge. In fact, I had a, a, a nationally known author tell me about a month ago that he thought it was impossible for a men's ministry to be successful in the Northwest because there's such a focus away from men. In fact, if you look at, I don't blame people. Men, we're men. We own our stuff. But yeah. But men have men have become vilified uh, in the media. Men have become vilified in in uh, in uh, social circles, and we've done that to ourselves. I understand that. Yeah. But I want to come along and say, "Hey, guy, you are better than this. Let's call you up and make you the man that God has created you to be." You know, I immediately I think of that scripture where it talks about as iron sharpens iron. Um, you know, a lot of guys like that on a T-shirt, and a lot of ministries use it. But the reality of it is, if you're going to really engage a man. To, to be his best self, you better expect some, uh, some conflict. You better expect some pushback. You better expect some, um, you better back it up. Like, this is not easy ministry stuff. This is not like, hey, you know, the Bible says and, you know, and, you know, throw flowers in the air and everybody's better. It's like, this is like, I always say like warfare, but in the best sense of the word, like, look, we are in training. It's going to be conflict. There's going to be personalities. And that's most of the reason why I think that churches got enough drama with the women and children, honestly. They're like, dude, I don't need that more drama. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, bro? Because when a man gets it, when a man gets it, he starts confronting the pastor. He starts wanting to change the church. And, and most 
pastors today are intellectual, they're highly educated, yeah. but they get really intimidated by that bra- grassroots, blue-collar guy who's got guts and yeah. muscle and courage, uh, or that intellectual guy who's out there working hard in the workforce and sees what is going on in the church. You know, it's really interesting. You know, you said, as iron sharpens iron. So in the King James Version, that verse says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another. Hmm. And that word countenance, that word countenance in the Hebrew is the word pene, which is the Hebrew word for face. So now, in the 80s, think of Eye of the Tiger. You know, those that Rocky, Rocky Three, baby. Go, 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 get Mr. T, baby. Anyway, so this <laughs> I love Eye Mr. The tiger, T. Well, you know what? I mean, but listen, how you and I have this these conversations. I walk away better because I'm with you. We sharpen each other. Yeah. Now, here's the cool thing about sharpening. I have to have a sharpening agent, like a sharpening steel, for my knife to sharpen that thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'm sharpening. So other times that guy's sharpening me. Right. So the sparks fly as you sharpen each other. But I do that so that when I'm, you know, we're I'm 52, you're 50. Yeah. I do that so that I have the eye of the tiger, that live, that alive look, that living life to the fullest. John 10:10. 10, 10. I want to live life to the fullest as my best version all of my life. Because guys of sharpening, John Eldridge, yeah. uh, you and I, a mutual friend, yeah. he, he said in his book, Wild at Heart, let the world feel the weight of who I am and let them deal with it. And yeah. to me, my friend, that's why we sharpen each other. Man, that is a that, that quote comes up over and over again. I've heard that quote from multiple men because it's a, yeah. it's a provoking quote because yep. most of the, the trend of, look, you know, being a Christian, you're going to be a nice guy. You're going to be the best neighbor in the world. You're just going to be this super happy, soft guy. And it's like, nope. <laughs> that is not well, the call of God. <laughs> and it's and it's not being arrogant, and it's not being prideful. Right. It's getting under and serving people and lifting them up. But what it's saying is saying, okay, I am Jim Ramos. I'm a big-chested guy who, who God has allowed to be that way. I read books. I'm kind of a redneck. I've got a beautiful wife who's made me kind of a preppy. And I'm just going to walk out there, and I'm going to be that this personality that I am. Yeah. I'm going to be me to the world. And, Troy, you're getting ready to head to Kona, which I just have such a respect for that. When you walk in there, man, you're going to be Troy Mangum, and that's who you are. And you're not going to shrink back from who you are. You're just going to be the man that God has called you to be. Yeah. And then it's, it's everybody else's problem to how they deal with Troy Mangum. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And men need to hear that because most men, they, it's like, I know this is the off topic, but it's such a good, it's like <laughs> men need permission, right? There's a there's an edginess to men. There is an intensity to men. And most of the time, it's like, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, stop that. Yeah. But if you look at the characters of the Bible, these were true characters. Like Paul was no yeah. joke, man. He was, if you read some of his, you know, like one scripture about, I, I wish they would just cut it off. Meaning, you know, oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, it is some legit man talk. <laughs> well, and when he says in the Bible, he says, I consider all things rubbish. Yeah. That I may follow Christ. That word rubbish is the word, the Greek word skubala. And it literally means S-H fill <laughs> on the blanks. So this guy was hardcore. Yeah, yeah. All right, so awesome. So that so thinking about that separation of men from boys, right? So and, and yeah, males yeah. from men. You know, help help my listeners kind of dive into, you know, some of your thoughts on that. So when we go. Yeah, so I, I yeah, so I believe that men I, to call a man a man is a high calling. To mm. to point to your to tell your children that guy is a man, you can listen to him. He's somebody who is stepping into the bubble and thriving, where a male 
shrinks back. A male is anonymous. A male, males are anonymous in 30 million children that will go to bed tonight without a father in the home. Mm. Those are those are male-driven uh, uh, statistics, and so a male is, and a man are different. And so there, you know, the funny part, Troy, is that people think certain things are manly, manly, and and in my book I talk about myths of manhood. And I'll, I'll just give you a couple. First of all, manhood is not your job. Amen. It, it, just because you have a just because you have a nice job does not make you a man. Manhood is not your financial portfolio. Now Jesus didn't have a home. He said, I, "The son of man has no place to rest his head." Yet in America, we would say, "Well, that homeless guy's a loser." Right. Well, Jesus would say, "Well, then I'm a loser, I guess." You know, Jesus, the ultimate man, he literally is the alpha male. He's the alpha and omega male. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's go so if we were to base I know a lot of seventy year old millionaires that are immature children and their life is based on their stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, how about this one? We think that a man is his talents or abilities. We could all bend over shape about a twenty four year old kid who's barely got his life together kneeling before the national anthem, or we get out of shit or we, we cheer by the thousands and thousands when a, a six foot four, twenty year old can throw a fastball, right? So just because a man is big or is strong, or is fast, or can throw something far, or can hit something hard, we say, oh, that's a man. No, that's a 22-year-old child who's got a giant body and a massive chest, right? <laughs> you know, and so uh, the other thing is that manhood is not biology. You know, just because a man can stand up and pee in the snow standing up, you know, write his name, you know, just because a man has hair on his armpits, doesn't make him a man. You know, man is not age. Man is not chronology. Yeah. It's something deeper. And here's the deal, bro. People look at me and they go, oh, you're the big flannel wrestling hunting guy. I'm not that kind of guy. And what I tell people is this. A man is as a man does. You can be a poet and be a man. Hmm. You can be a, a professional hunter and be a man. You can be a, a, a Democrat and be a man. A po you can be a Republican and be a man. You can drive a Prius and be a man. Not my, fr not my friend. Not my friend, but you can be a man. You can drive a big lifted up truck and be a, a man. You can you can be a uh, an educated intellectual and be a man. You can be a blue collar, redneck, hard working backhoe driver and be a man. Listen, a man is as a man does. Men look like many many things. Right. We tend to vilify men and say, oh, that 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 macho attitude. And I just say, you know what? That's not a man. I, I sit and watch Hallmark movies and cry over with my wife. That's not manly. But you know what? When I'm rubbing her feet and loving on her as the best person in the world, my most important person, I think that's pretty manly. Yeah. And so does that make sense? So, so manhood to me, it's not this machismo thing. It's just stepping into the best version of you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, a liberal or a conservative, a, a Prius guy or a big truck guy, a cat lover or a dog lover, it, it doesn't matter because yeah, a man is as a man does. Yeah, I, I, I had a, you had Stephen Mansfield on the show. I had Stephen Mansfield on the show. Love and, it. Yeah. and that first maxim of uh, Mansfield's uh, book for Manly Men when he talks about uh, a, a man is as a man does, in another way he basically says manhood is action. You know, men, um, you know, this is not about an intellectual like I've learned something. It's like, fine, you learned something. Did you do anything? It's about the characteristic of your actions that is fueled from your heart, from your mind. That's where it's going to start to really show manhood. And, yes. and, um, and we have such, we just swallow superficial definitions. 
You know, it's just yes. like, look, it's that superficial. We're talking about something far deeper and far more impactful. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the other image I want to uh, talk to you about before we get into these characteristics <clears throat> is the men in the arena. You use that term a lot. Uh, yeah. And and you obviously got the sort of man in the 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 dust in the in the warfare of the arena, and then you have the men in the stands, or maybe even the boys in the stands. So yes. can you just talk a little bit about that, and then we'll kind of get into these five characteristics. Yeah, we actually created a men in the arena closed Facebook form for men that in ten months has grown to. 10,175 men. Uh, the guys are thriving in this thing. And so what I realized, Troy, is that men and males are different. You know, Troy, man, you're, you're our friend Stephen Mansfield said this, act, my friend, it's the way of man. And so when, we, <laughs> when a, a man word. gets, when a man uh, starts raised in a family, he gets married, he enters what I call the stress bubble. Okay. So, so we are, we are uh, using that phrase to describe the arena. So a man is in the arena, he's in the, he's in the fray. For 25 years of his life or more, he's raising kids, he's working hard, he's involved in their uh, community activities, he's loving his wife. These are the most stressful times of a man's life. And some men during that, that phase of life rise to the cream of the crop, and some men explode, some men implode, some men spring a leak and kind of go all over the place like a balloon. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then, you know, but... Uh, what we have seen, bro, is that you've got these men uh, in the arena fighting for the things that God has called them to fight for. Yeah. And then you have these anonymous guys lining the bleachers, right? So they're a fan, not a follower. They're in the bleachers. They're, they're anonymous. They're 30 million children going to bed without a father tonight. Yeah. These are the men in the arena. These are the bleachers. Uh, these guys that are uh, these eighty percent or so of men in churches today that don't give, that don't serve, they just shake the pastor's hand and walk out, and they never change year after year. Uh, it's the majority of men in our culture that, that are anonymous, and I believe that God does not want us to be anonymous. Mm. Again, another lie in the church that that somehow anonymity is humility. I disagree one hundred percent. You know, I I believe that. That God wants to put us on display. So we say, God, put me on display. And then I will put you on display. So I will give you the glory. But mm. it's really hard to give God the glory and put him on display when you're anonymous, shrinking back, and hiding in the bleachers. And so we're telling our guys, get in the game, swing the sword, get dirty. It's ugly. It's messy. It hurts in the arena. But, man, when, when people look at you and, and ask you why, that's when you take your king and your God and you play for the world to see and so that's my prayer. It's God put me on display. And that mm. is what really separates a man from a male. Yeah, that's that's a good word, man. So let's let's dive into some of these characteristics. Um, yeah. Let's just this is run through. Them. Yeah. So the first thing. So let me say this, Troy, when we wrote this book, you know, uh, I, there's no book out there, in my opinion, that I've read that really defines manhood. A lot of books that talk about how to be a better man. But there was nothing out there to say, hey, this is the manual of manhood. This is the document to help men understand what a man is. Yeah. And so what we did, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, and so I come at everything from a Christian perspective. However, I wanted to write a book for men who don't read books, yeah. and I wanted to write a book that guys who aren't Christian guys would want to read. Yeah. And so when we, and, and, our, and our organization is the same way, we're going to try to define manhood. We need to define it in a way that the Muslims would agree, the Mormons would agree, the Jehovah Witnesses would agree, the Hindus would agree, the atheists would agree, and the agnostics would agree. They may not like it, but they would go, oh, that makes sense to me. 
Yep. So I didn't want to over-spiritualize something because there are certain components of manhood that really aren't spiritual. But in the church, we go, oh, if it's not spiritual, it's not biblical. Yeah, so right. that makes total so, sense. Yeah, so if you imagine, if you imagine, bro, you're a big hiker, I'm a hiker. If you imagine a mountain, and that mountain represents manhood, there are five, excuse me, <coughs> there are five aspects to climbing and descending that mountain. The first one is what we call the trailhead. Protecting integrity. So all of our verbs are progressive in nature because you can do it one day, but you have to do it every day, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. what I have found, you know, we've we've seen in the last six months one of the one of the, uh, pastor of a largest one of the largest churches in America have a moral failure, but dating back forty years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this guy's a spiritual man. This guy's a leader. I've got multiple books in my office. I mean, I love reading this guy. I love speaking to this guy, hearing this guy speak. But because of his integrity, hmm. he will be forever remembered as a guy who finished wrong. Absolutely. And, so, and that happens over and over and over again with pastors. So for us to say Jesus solves all the problems, that's kind of a blanket statement. We've got to go backwards and go, okay. He does do that, but that should start. The foundation of manhood is integrity. No, no dad worth his salt will say, man, I'm just raising my little kid up to be a government-supported criminal. <laughs> I just want my kid to be a loser. You know, I don't want my kid to thrive. Nobody ever does that. We want our kids to be honest. We want our kids to have integrity. Right. <clears throat> we want our kids to grow up and mature and become a contributor in society. And so what we want, no matter what I believe, no matter what I believe, yeah. I want, if I'm a man, I want my kids to walk in integrity. Yeah. And so you can be the president of the United States. You can be the pastor of the biggest church in America. You can be a corporate, you know, president of a, a Fortune 500 company. But if you lack integrity, men won't respect you. Yeah, and that's the that's the key. You, you think about any situation, irrespective of the spiritual stuff, you find out they did this, they, they, they lied, they cheated, they, they stole, they, they did something, they shortcutted, but they presented an image as being something else. Hello, yeah. is that not most of manhood? Presenting an image where the reality is not the image. And then when that yes. unravels or that gets uncovered, uh, which God may very well do to rescue you, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, when that gets unraveled, it's just sort of like that. Nobody will say, oh, yeah, I respect that. Nobody will do that. Irrespective yes, of your religion. <laughs> yeah, and I'm afraid, you know, D.L. Moody said it's integrity is who you are in the dark. Yep. Or who you are known as looking. And I'm concerned in my own life that. Man, I've got things I struggle with, and those things usually happen in some kind of darkness. And so we yeah. I want to bring those things into the light. Mm -hmm. I want to walk in the integrity of saying, hey, I've got stuff I'm working through and I'm dealing with instead of hiding that. Because if you if you put that out there and say, I struggle in this area to some trusted people, then you, you're, 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 you're literally laying a foundation of deeper integrity instead of hiding a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and I would say just as a as a quick note, and I know you roll with uh, some some brothers. I roll some brothers. You know, um, a lot of men in those corners. There are a lot of men in there. They really fear coming into the light because I'm the yeah. only one, or this is really too bad, or what. It's just like, look, man up. You're gonna survive. It's not gonna be fun. But yeah, if you were walking with some brothers that that are that are deeper than a you know shallowness that most of it they got some integrity they've got some depth to them you'll you'll be fine and you'll be supported and they will champion you so a lot of, you know you got to cross that line. 
Well, and integrity does not mean I'm perfect. That's a great point. It it, it simply means I'm impeccable. I'm whole and I'm complete. Now, I can be imperfect and be impeccable if I have people around me guarding those areas. And so I think a lot of times as men, we think this is a weakness. I'm not going to expose a weakness. I'm not going to expose a crack in the cement or my foundation. Well, you need guys to come in and fill in those blanks and fill in those cracks for you. And and part of me being complete as a Christian man is realizing Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So as a Christian man, I realize I'm a work in progress. And so my integrity is continuing to solidify over time. Yeah, and the goal with that is that you don't... God is not wanting to make you a an image of a man. He wants to make you an actual man, right? You know, oh, and this, yeah, baby. you know, and, and so much is like, oh well, you know, I, I look good on the outside, or people think that, or the it's just like, dude, do you want the real thing, or are you? The other thing is going to be so dissatisfying. You're going to be continually frustrated. And God, in His love, is there's not the enjoyment will be fleeting, and you will be constantly going, what is it that I'm missing? It's like coming to the light brother <laughs> yeah and it's it's really really hard to cover up it takes a lot of work to cover up yeah right the, the, yeah the, the shell instead of being authentic yeah absolutely cool so the second the second point is the climb of the mountain yeah so as you climb that's the hardest part of the mountain you have gravity pushing against you i'm a big guy uh, i did a 40 mile death ruck this summer uh the, with the gravity push a big guy down it's it's very very difficult a lot of pressure a lot of resistance a lot of forces yeah i believe that this this climb for men is the greatest battle he will ever fight and it's the battle of fighting apathy yeah it's and so apathy is basically indifference uh it's uh the inability to feel or to care Mm. and so there are as i look at uh, all of these men who are not engaged in their children and not engaged in their churches and not engaged in their marriage you know divorce rates in the church are as high as out of the church which tells me have a lot of males in the church who claim to follow jesus but don't yeah there's a there is a these forces so a man has to fight against the images and uh the uh, the the media that, that, that put a man down or the images in politics that vilify a man we have to fight against those to yeah. become the man that we're created to be. I believe it's the greatest fight a man will ever face. It's the fight against sin, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because as a man engages in sin, over time, he becomes indifferent. He becomes, it's like a callus on my foot. I, I can cut that callus off with a knife because it's just dead skin. Yeah. And so fighting apathy is saying, I am not going to uh, die. I want to feel, I want to care, I want to have passion. I want to have the eye of the tiger, and yeah. I do that by fighting the forces that are pushing me down the mountain. Yeah, and, and you and I are testimony of this, is that, you know, a lot of times when people are, are fighting apathy, you know, it's really like, oh, it's not going to matter. It's not going to make a difference, right? And, yeah. and we're saying, no, you, it will make a difference. You, it will, you're going uphill. It's going to be resistance, but it's worth the climb. It's worth fighting it. Don't believe the lie that it's not going to matter. You're never going to change. What, you know, who cares anyway? Yeah. That's all just like, honestly, excuses and, and fear masked as, oh, I really don't care. No, you're afraid. I'm going to call it out. You're afraid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I think it was Peter who talked about in your struggle against sin. And I think for me, as a non-Christian guy, as a guy before Christ, I celebrated my sin. Yeah. But now, but now I struggle against sin because now I'm a man of God wrestling with these things trying to pull me down the mountain. Yep, awesome. All right, that's good. Yeah.
What's the next one? Yeah, so the next one is the summit of manhood. It's the apex of manhood. It's the climax of manhood, and it is pursuing God passionately. The great hunt for God, that name comes out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and 14, where Paul says, I press on to the goal. The word press on in the, in the Greek is the word dioko, and it means it's a racing word to chase. It also is a hunting word to pursue. And so what I have seen that men do not become their best version because they pursue the wrong trophies. They uh. pursue financial stability. They pursue mm. power or success. And, and uh, these are Christian men I'm talking about. Yep. And so what we need to do is we need to pursue Christ above all things. And, and, and when we surrender to Jesus, he uh, fills our life. He makes us the man that we've always dreamed of being. We had a, I had a woman tell me, Man, because of what's going on with the great hunt for God, my husband is the man I always dreamed he could be mm. because he gave his life to Christ. And the problem with men, uh, Troy, is we're very compartmentalized, right? Mark, Mark Gunger and uh, Bill Farrell write about men are like waffles. <laughs> and so, so we're compartmentalized, right? But the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God wants to permeate all of our life. You know, he's not interested in being a compartment of our life or a part of our life. He wants us to be... He wants to permeate our life and be all of our life, saturate our life hmm. with what what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And so when men get that, when men understand that their spirituality is an all-encompassing event that fills all categories and compartments, that man is targeting himself to become his best version. That's awesome. That's good. I love yeah, that. Pursue yeah. the wrong trophies. I think that's a great image. Yeah, just men, uh, we just, you know, need to get our men understanding that truth. And then the, so then the man goes down the mountain. So I thought about this as a youth pastor for years and, and leading courageously. So my thought here on, on this is men do not defer leadership. Hmm. So my wife, I'm in charge of my wife's spiritual health. I'm in charge of my children's spiritual health. I'm not going to defer their spiritual growth to a youth pastor or a children's pastor mm. or a senior pastor. Now, I, I'm involved in the local church. I believe in the local church. And when I go to church, I want them to fill my children and teach my children. But it ultimately comes back to me. It's my responsibility. Yeah. And, and people say, well, what do I do? What do I do? And here's my, here's my answer, man. Just do something. <laughs> That's a good advice. <laughs> just, 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 just do something. Do anything. Some, some people are just naturally great parents. They can homeschool their kids and be with them 24-7, and they, they thrive. You know, that would drive my wife and I insane. We couldn't do that. We had to do a different approach. You know, so I don't know what your approach is. And, uh, but, you know, with my wife and I, my kids are out of the house, so now I read the Bible with her. I pray with her. We didn't do that in the home. It was just too hectic. So I, I don't want to put guys in bondage by saying you need to do this equation means you're a spiritual leader. Yeah. But what I want, I want guys to say, I just need to do something, anything, just move. Yeah. And, and I want to, that's a great point. Cause I, I have, um, you know, been walking with the Lord a long time and you do get that feeling of, well, you know, you need to lead your family devotion or you need to do this or you need to do that. And it becomes very, very specific. You know, this yes. is godly. This is right. This is manly. And it's just like, Look, there's a lot going on. Like, you know, I, I honestly, I sucked at doing family devotions. I had to, I'd love to do it, but it, you know, you know, people were spitting, you know, green beans out of their noses and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and milk everywhere. And, and, you know, I couldn't get their attention span for, I mean, it's just nuts. You know, and, and when you have a lot of kids, that's kind of how it is. And yeah. so being able to say, look, dial it back. The Lord will show you, do 
something, anything. It doesn't have to yeah. be this specific thing. And so, anyway, good, good well, word. We, we had breakfast together for all the years growing up. I would cook a solid protein-based breakfast. And the kids would come down for devotions and family time and sharing. And it was uh, all I remember about those, you know, 18 years is fighting and telling the kids, what did I tell you? Don't come down here with an erection. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I mean, the truth, the truth of it is, it isn't clean cut as they think the, it, right? That, that family rule, it's on the refrigerator. <laughs> Can't you read? <laughs> Can't you read that? When you have three sons, you got to read, you know. But it's like, you, you know, you think you sit around the table thinking of doxology, right? The reality of it is way different. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Just, I, I don't want to paint a picture that's not reality. You know? No, I totally get it. And that's, oh, that man. was great, man. <laughs> what did I tell you? All right, so what's the last one? Well, what I want to, let me just close up with that, this and say that. The greatest thing you can do to lead your family spiritually is to be white hot on fire for Jesus yourself. Yeah. If they see your passion for Jesus man, your family will win. So the last thing to me is finishing strong. And I have a chip on my shoulders, Troy. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm showing you right now this box. Yeah. You see this? Yeah, what is so this? Box, this box, uh, we, I retrieved it from the sheriff's department uh, in 2013. And on the box is written, found next to the body. Because in December 21st, 2012, my stepfather took a Remington Model 270 and blew his head off. And uh, oh my he was a great guy. He was a he was a great guy. I, I thought he tra treated my my mom well. He treated us very well. He was in our family for 30 years, and uh, he just lost it. And he just uh, we don't know what happened. And, oh. and what and and I, and I refer back to the man who the pastor who fell nationally. Uh, you know, uh, starts don't matter as much as finishes. Yeah. And how you finish, I'm really. I'm really uh, bummed about this this man who fell spiritually that was a pastor because I highly, highly respected him. He's impacted millions of people for the gospel, and uh, he deserves to be celebrated. He deserves to be honored, but because of his finish, he will be forever remembered as a poor finisher. Yeah. And so what I have seen is, is to be a, a man who finishes well means to finish well beyond our work retirement to fight for our faith the entire life. Mm. And when we talk about our men in the arena and when we talk about the men in the bubble, what I tell these guys is this. If you want to finish strong, finishing strong, I'm a simple man. Finishing strong is nothing more than finishing strong every day compounded over time. And so what we tell our men in the arena is when you get home at night from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock, that is the time that will make or break you as a finisher. You need to finish every day strong. And then every day of your life, do that. And then you'll look back on your life and realize, wow, I've finished life strong. Because a life, a strong life finish is nothing more than strong day finishes compounded over time. So that really, and, and I have a chip on my shoulder because of my stepfather and because of so many other things I've seen where great men have had horrible finishes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I tell you, I, I would say I would not be shocked if great men who have horrible finishes become isolated men at the top who have that are surrounded by yes men and not men that are really lovingly challenging where they start sliding in a loving way and say I'm for you I believe in you that yeah. needs to stop that needs to come into the light versus you know how people can get how men can get well 
Well, you know, it's really interesting. So when I read books, I found that 90% of the books I read have great starts and poor finishes. <laughs> and so I, I wanted, well, it's just true. Guys, we're not a step to say. And so I wanted to finish strong in the book. And you talked about being up and isolated. And I finished the book with with such an epic exclamation mark. It's, it's probably my favorite part of the book is the last 10 pages when it's a picture of Jesus on the cross. And his last words were, it is finished. And in many, many Bible translations, because the, the Aramaic, you know, the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic did not have exclamation marks and punctuation. Some of them include the exclamation mark and some of them don't. And I refuse to read a Bible that has John 19 verse 30 without an exclamation mark because that is everything about when I think about the Savior that I worship, that Jesus finished with a war cry and not a whimper. Because he finished and the whole of mankind can now be saved through him. Mm. That's, that's our call. To, yeah. to end with a war cry, not a whimper. Yeah. That's where he's leading us. Man, I, I tell you what, man, Jim, you are an inspiration. I am so excited that I know a wrestler who dresses in flannel. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and who is birth defect? <laughs> and uh, and and you just uh, you just uh, you make me a better man, man. I'm so excited. You've got to get this book. Uh, how can uh, men uh, that are interested in following up? Obviously, subscribe to your podcast, the Man Car Podcast. It's it's great. One of the best interviews I've ever heard with John Eldridge. I loved your format. I love how you do it. You're very good at it. So great job on that. How else can men Thank kind you. of follow up with you? Yeah, you know what? We uh, produced a free uh, smartphone app called The Great Hunt for God. It has all of our uh, training videos. It has, our, it has a weekly blog I put out. It has a Bible app. It has a lot of great things on it, and it has a gear page. So if they go click on gear, It'll put up an Amazon link. They can go to Amazon and purchase that book. And uh, like I said, it's a book we've written for guys who don't read books. And I think it's only $10 or $15 on Amazon. Yeah. And they can go and do that. And uh, uh, that's the best way to do it, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jim, man, it's been so fun. And uh, I know that we'll continue the conversation. So thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, you know what, Troy, thanks. And I just want to say, man, I just, I've heard your story. And I just respect you as a man. And I just love your guts, what you're doing with your family. And, man, I'm just really thankful that I think of Philippians 1-3. I thank God every time I think of you. So, man, it's a great and an honor to be called your friend. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, bro. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the Firestarters, which is a Facebook Messenger community I let know first anytime I do anything. You can also get a book there called you can certainly do it, that I've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that God's starting in your life. Uh, in addition to that, you can sign up for the seven-day Bible devotional, Become a Sign and Wonder. And as always, be awesome.